0: You've seen their TV shows. You've watched
1: their webcasts. Now, Hartigan Estates invites you to Poker in the Ears.
0: Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hartigan, all the way over there in London, England. Yay. <laughs> That's about as excited as I was to live in London. Coming up on today's show, recapping Monaco main event four. I had some stand up this week at a big show at the Comedy Store in L.A. Uh, Jennifer Tilly was on. We didn't get a chance to talk about the fact that she wrote a short story in a poker book, but Barney Boatman also wrote wrote a story in that book and he is on the show today. This dude is so funny, I'm very excited to talk to him.
1: Yeah, Barney, uh, I've known for many, many years. He played a very important role, actually, in my journey into TV poker. I wonder if he remembers. We will find out.
0: I I actually don't remember, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and we've got a super fan on this week. His name is James Martin. You may have seen some of his tweets. We've read them before. He is the undersea monkey. Yeah. He has challenged me to West Wing trivia.
1: Yeah, and of course, the West Wing is something I know about, so I could do the questions myself, so prepare yourself stapleton
0: plus you bought me the entire series a couple I, years ago and i feel like there's gonna be a lot of pressure on me to, just, to get these
1: right you spent money on it <laughs> <laughs> um actually since we last spoke joe i've had two teeth removed but i successfully survived surgery and despite the fact that i woke up this morning a week after surgery in extraordinary pain i'm coping uh so all is good because you guys
0: don't have those good painkillers over in London like we get. I got to tell you, when I had my wisdom teeth out, that was one of the best days of my life. I was like, what is Vicodin?
1: No, no, we've got them. I took them the first night and they were amazing. But they have a massive warning on the front that says, warning, could lead to addiction. Oh, and yeah, of course, they're I'm incredibly like, addictive. And I'm like, no, I, I, I better wean myself off these like after after 12 hours. So I've been sticking to the other stuff, like the anti-inflammatories and the, uh, and, the, and, the, and the paracetamol.
0: I'm pretty sure that I just had my wisdom teeth out. I would have more wisdom teeth out just to get more Vicodin. But I guess, <laughs> I guess that's what really the problem is. Uh, I did not get picked for jury. So uh, well, I didn't even have to go in this time, which was lucky. Um, because, you know, sometimes these cases last a while. And the, the excuse of, I have to fly to England for my job, they don't care. No. Um, so luckily, I did not get picked. Uh, I didn't have to go in. I did not get in a jury. I did this thing,
1: James, uh, called cupping. Have you ever heard of this? This, I hope this isn't the kind of cupping I'm thinking about. Cause I really don't want to hear about it on this podcast.
0: Yeah. You def. Well, I, I mean, it might be, I don't think so. You usually tend to think, take things way dirtier than me. Uh, like Michael Phelps, these athletes, they believe in like this pseudoscience where. Oh,
1: no, this is not what I was thinking of.
0: Okay. Well, no, I did the somehow more legitimate <laughs> type of cupping, which is, um, they take, this little pen that has four needles in it. Well, first they take a suction cup and, and suction up your, like a section of your back so that it makes it, you know, like when you're a kid and you'll stick yours, like a suction cup on yourself and it gets all like red and purple. Then they pull it off yeah. and they stab you with a bunch of needles, like eight or nine times with a four prong needle, So you get like 32 little holes and then they put the cup back over your, these holes and suction it again and start sucking blood out of your back
1: okay, why would you volunteer for this?
0: Well, I have a friend that does it for like a business and she is a pageant model and I help her with her pageant questions and she's like, as a trade, would you want to try cupping? And you know, I've got some, some, look, some of the big, like Michael Phelps, some of the biggest athletes in the world swear by this stuff. I mean, guy obviously knows how to take care of his body. So I thought I would give it a try and to be perfectly honest, uh, I didn't really feel anything great from it. Um, yeah, and you it see, was to me. When gnarly. you say the,
1: you know, oh, the trade off is that she'll do this for free. No, I'd want to be paid to have that kind of shit done to me.
0: Well, the first half of it, I got a massage, and the second half, she was like, "Do you want to try some cupping?" I'm like, "Well, it'll it costs a lot of money to have this done," so I was like, "I might as well give it a shot." Anyway, didn't really have anything good to come from it. But when I was, I I got an Uber for her to go home, and as the Uber came to pick her up, the the driver was um like a pretty attractive young lady and i asked her uh, i was like hey why don't you uh why don't you see if the driver w- wants to come to my stand up show like try to talk me up to the driver the driver did and showed up to my show and we had a really great time i ended up spending like a lot of the weekend with her so cupping i just want to say really works
1: yeah i'm not quite sure you can really go from a all the way through to z there that 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 channel does not necessarily follow through but i'm glad the show was a success the show is good uh, a couple of my friends
0: left before i went on stage because there's such nazis at this comedy club about letting people in or not letting people in so a couple of my friends left but in general we had another we had we we're 3 for 3 at the comedy store very good night once again one of the best nights of my life as my manager put it I'd like to see how you do at the comedy store in a room that isn't completely populated by tickets that you yourself have purchased.
1: (laughs) However, one day, we're working our way up to that one. Uh, I just realized that last week, I forgot to mention that I went to see Molly's Game. I went to a preview of the new Aaron Sorkin movie. And I have to say, it's really good. And we should definitely review it on a future episode. I don't know when it's released in the States. But I think, obviously, when we both had a chance to see it, we really need to talk about this film.
0: It's not out until Christmas, I think, Christmas Day in the states, um, which is bad news, and that it'll take us a while to get to it. But the good news is that I, I will see it over Christmas. Of course, like, there's no there's no chance I won't because that's all I do over uh, the Christmas break is go see a bunch of movies. All I'll uh, say to- up
1: front, all I'll say up front is you know to call it a poker movie is it's it's there's not a great ton of poker, but the way in which characters behave, the way they talk about the game, the way terminology is employed is all authentic. It feels real. It feels genuine.
0: And, um, it looks like the characters, are they, how many of them are actually representing real people? There like are, straight up the same person.
1: There are definitely two characters who are not named, who it's very clear who they are meant to be.
0: Ooh, cool. I can't wait to see it. Uh, I saw a movie also this week, James, That uh, you know, cause it's like starting to be late in the year. So all the good movies are starting to come out, especially in LA. Yeah. Uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, the new Martin McDonough movie, is just fantastic. It is so good. I cannot recommend this movie highly enough. And Thor is fucking fantastic also. It is just pure joy from start to finish.
1: Just a great movie good because you know i kind of have issues with the whole mcu thing and i'm fed up with each film setting up another film and being a trailer for a story down the line if this works as a standalone enjoyable superhero movie i will like it
0: it does yeah it's kind of like uh winter soldier in that respect okay. in that it's just a great you know storyline of this particular character and just tons of fun jeff Goldblum,
1: just chews up the scenery in this movie. It's really, really fun movie. Well, it's good to hear. There are some good movies on at the cinema. Good movies coming out before Christmas, and good TV shows on your screens because the PokerStars Championship continues on Wednesday nights on Channel Four. TV recap.
0: Yes, it sure does. We are plugging along with the Monaco main event. We're not
1: uh, plugging along, we are dissecting yeah. and breaking down. These wonderful shows, (laughs) which are providing highlights of the multi table tournament that was played in Monte Carlo in spring of this year.
0: I didn't mean that. I meant the tournament is plugging along. The tournament is chugging, and we're, you know, we're, again, because of the multi day stuff that, you know, we're just sort of at that, we're past the bubble, we're not quite closing in on the final table, we're just plugging along
1: tournament wise yeah on day four and uh this show i think is defined more than anything by the fact that we've reached the point where people are starting to take more time over their decisions and some of the tanking some people think is excessive and we see or hear the clock called an inordinate number of times in this particular episode
0: i think it's four or five times total right the clock is called in this episode and James, as someone who is a little bit more involved in the producing process of the shows than I am, how much of this was genuinely an increased number of times the clock is called in a tournament and how much of it was us just showing it more often than usual?
1: I'm going to say it's 99% the former. The reality is that, and we've discussed this in recent weeks, it's become much more acceptable now in the poker world amongst players. They feel that they are entitled to call the clock. You no longer get shamed for doing that. People no longer get angry with you. People no longer call you out about it. And as a consequence, people are realising, it's our time you can't be taking three minutes over every decision and i'm going to start calling clock even if i'm not in the hand because that timer the amount of minutes left on the level affects me as well as everyone else and so i just think it was a reflection of the reality of the modern game and do you think that as you know
0: tv producers and influencers to a certain extent you know a lot of people that still get their poker wherewithal from television do you think that tv has the power to influence players now that we're showing it to make it even more prevalent and more acceptable now that we're putting it on tv
1: i think partly but i think the influences are probably more important i think if people can see that respected pros consider this to be legitimate and what you should do and the right strategy if you like then i think people will accept it
0: and do you think that also you know because I would say that the reason why excessive tanking started in the first place... Now, don't get me wrong. Lots of players are very deep thinkers, so they're tanking. I understand why. But like, when you go to a home game and you see people tank, it's because they saw people tanking on TV.
1: Yeah, because they're not actually thinking about anything.
0: Right. So now do you think that we're going to start seeing people call on the clock at home games like every six seconds? Like, that would be clock.
1: hilarious. Yeah, literally like after two seconds. Like, actions on you. Clock! Uh... Probably because people do love to copy what's on the telly. I mean, in the hands that the clock was called, by the way, are all kind of like big decisions. And there's a lot of coolers in this as well. um I think the kind of the first big one I think happens uh, towards the start of the show, and it's uh, Paul Francois Tedeschi is in a lot of hands. and goes on a bit of a roller coaster ride in this show, and it starts with this huge hand against Lee Hong chong where it is a straight beaten by a flush on the river. Tedeschi calls it off bad and is left with just eight big blinds. And you think, well, that's him out the exit. But then he doubles up, doubles up again, gets back in the game and becomes like one of the chip leaders by the by, by, like 20 minutes later. And that's not because this is edited highlights. That was reality. In less than half an hour, he went from eight bigs to a million chips.
0: I just wish Paul Tedeschi were more someone I could get excited about. I just, I don't know what it is. I'm just, he's just... Maybe it's because he's French and he doesn't speak English, so I have a really hard time. I mean, he does speak English, just not super well. I have a really hard time relating to him, and I'm like,
1: oh, come on, anyone but him. This. Is- <laughs> the reality is, though, every time we see Paul Francois Tedeschi in a televised hand of poker, he's on the receiving end of some brutal cooler, whether it's this hand against That's Hong Xiong, or the time when his set of queens <laughs> yeah. got done by a Royal Flush, the Philip McAllister hand from the PCA. Um, but this was, again... No trick in the editing. Back-to-back hands. One at the secondary feature table, where Tedeschi is, is crippled by Hon Chong. And then we go back to the main table, where we join the action, where there's this huge decision for Marius Giesa. And clock gets called on him. And I think the clock being called did influence his decision. And his decision was to call it off bad, and he is out.
0: Yeah, that's a kind of a hard hand to watch, actually. Maybe because like I kind of have an affinity for Giesa! uh and also just because he, he says that uh his opponent looks nervous right and it's, it was a shove it off right yeah he's like you look nervous and i just did not see that at all
1: i don't know whether that was any reactions he saw from Shovinov before we joined that hand late because bear in mind we come Maybe. to it on the river um but yeah so gone is gear sir, which means we don't have to hear you shouting gears every five seconds
0: Well, I mean, until the next time he's around. By the way, that's just from the show I really like called John Glazer Loves Gear. And in every scene, he's just
1: playing with gear and just yells gear all the time. I'm sure at least two people got the reference. Uh, (laughs) Sebastian Malitz is at the feature table. Bluffs Papazian... You have Romania? Um, and that gives us the chance to have our little kind of flashback and our little chat to Sebastian about his win in Barcelona. And any time that we can relive that amazing conclusion to that Barcelona tournament, that makes me a happy person.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty much happy whenever I see him around because it does remind me. I'm like, oh, yeah, that happened. That was cute. Uh,
1: and the chance for you to reference the fact that, as listeners of this podcast will know, you did have an apartment with paper thin walls where your neighbor did complain <laughs> about your sexual activity.
0: Yes, uh, so I was just—that was a little something for you guys on the podcast where I uh, there's a little reference in the show to uh, to re- to go back to that
1: story. <laughs> um, so once tedeschi has got uh, a stack again, he plays a few hands against Michael Kolkovich. Now Kolkovich is chip leader at this point. We're going to get to know a bit more about him in future weeks. Um, clearly an amateur player who loves the game. I think it's in this show that he tells the story that he came to Monte Carlo to play cash games, ran up a stack and decided why not play the main event. And here he is. Um, but I guess the polite way to describe his playing style is unconventional. Yeah. I mean, we get, there's other
0: polite ways you can describe it like aggressive and, uh, wild and free swim. But I, I honestly feel like you have to run pretty fucking pure to play the way that Kolkovich plays in this. Like it's just so risky. It's kind of like like in one it's one of those movies where like a, a single soldier runs behind enemy lines and just manages to take out an entire battalion because they all somehow miss him. Like that's really what we see in the case of Kolkovich where he just plays he he does the right thing at the right time or the wrong thing at the right time over and over again. And we've only started to see it
1: uh, beginning here. But I admire his fearlessness and I always love it. definitely. And I always love it when there is a wild card in there and the pros just don't know how to react to them.
0: And a lot of the time, and I do like watching that too, watching the pros just get totally worked by someone who they have no idea what their whole, you know, someone who doesn't play GTO, it really throws them for a loop sometimes. And what I do appreciate about Kolkovich is he says, I don't care who I'm playing against. And a lot of times people say that. I'm like, you're full of shit. Like, you've, of course you care who you're playing at. Yeah. This dude has no fucks to give.
1: Absolutely. Uh, we then get a battle of Prague finalists. Uh Ensan, of course, won Prague in 2015. Petruszewski finaled that event in 2016. Oh, jeez. <laughs> the stressed out Petruszewski. Another hand where the clock is called, which leads to Petruszewski making the wrong decision. And then back-to-back Elky hands, where this is where you start to play the violin for the Elkster. He flops top pair against Katai's full house and is forced to make a very painful fold on the river and then the very next hand top of the next part he flops top pair against papasian's flush and again he gets away he's forced to make a painful fold but crucially in both hands he's making good decisions he gets away with it and yet he doesn't know that he's made good folds and he just looks so pissed off I mean, that's almost
0: no consolation, even in retrospect, I would have to say. Now, Elky takes things a little bit differently because he's a true poker player. I'm just like, yeah, well, first of all, I would be out the first time. But if I had somehow managed to make folds in those spots, I would still be angry. I mean, like, they don't always have to have it. Why?
1: Yeah no completely uh, and very quickly I'd like to talk about the final hand of the show and this is a situation where someone goes out I think it's Remy Castignon goes out in 33rd we're down to 32 players we're meant to pause the clock meant to have uh, a table broken and, and rebalanced but there's still a hand in progress at the main stage and it's this bizarre hand between Andreas Klatt and Davidi Katai where Kit Klatt
0: hand yes
1: I'm a Kitty clap meow somehow that <laughs> made it into the final show <laughs> Um, but it has this surprising run out where obviously Klatt's playing a legitimate hand, ace-king. Kitai defends with 8-4, flops like bottom pair. But then Clat improves to two pair on the turn, Ace and kings. Kitai improves to eights and fours on the river. Makes this thin... Well, I guess I, I still can't work out whether he's betting the river as a bluff with two pair on a flush board or is making a thin value bet. And we're kind of like, oh, you know, this is a tough spot for Clat because you know he's got two pair but he's got to be worried about the flush and then he moves all in and i'm not sure whether he's turning two pair into a bluff and the weird thing is we recorded the commentary for this show what two weeks ago three weeks ago and when yeah. he moves all in i'm like whoa i'd forgotten he did that right? yeah it's yeah. that shove is so surprising so weird that it got me again
0: it is so surprising and weird and There's a lot of times, guys, where uh, there's more analysis I want to do, but because it's a highlight show, we're out of time, we're moving on to the next hand, we're going to break, whatever it is, Um, and so we got to keep it pithy. In this particular hand, I was so glad that I didn't have a lot of time to explain what was going on because I didn't know, and I think there's even a line in the show where I'm like, I have no idea what's going on here, and I still don't.
1: But it's so entertaining to watch. And Katai finds himself in a ludicrous situation where he's sitting there with a no good two pair, but it's like 75,000 to call with like more than half a million in the middle. And he's thinking, but there's no point throwing good money after bad. But being Katai, he's thinking it over. And of course, in keeping with the theme of the show, the clock then gets called.
0: One last time before we adieu due to this episode the clock gets called i would like everyone also to pay close attention there's a great bit of foreshadowing with caroline yes david katai's fiance on the rail and she's even wearing like one of those sort of crystal ball reader headbands so i just want you guys to keep in mind for that i think for the very next show uh no it's not for a couple of weeks two weeks from now but it'll be on the next show that we talk about
1: no i think it's actually next so next we've got episodes five and it's episode seven okay
0: well there you go a long way off foreshadowing but keep that keep that shot in mind
1: yeah uh and finally we have to quickly mention the elki montage and the reason to mention this is obviously we're teeing up the fact that obviously elkies had a frustrating day and Will he managed to get back into the game in the next episode second half of day four and we just have this ridiculous like every single angle of elkie looking frustrated known to man and i recorded a fake version of the next time Where are basically with every cut it's just go i just go next time elkie 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 sadly it didn't make the uh the final version of the show
0: yeah, see, that's too bad, because a lot of times, guys, uh, me and James, we will record very silly versions of things uh, just for us, just for fun. But every once in a while, we'll go, maybe we can use it? And, like, this is one, and I was like, please, guys, you have to. And it's usually me proposing these silly versions. And after James recorded this, I was like please, 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 you gotta, you guys gotta use that one, you gotta use that one, but I guess, I guess it didn't make it. No, it didn't.
1: Uh, so yeah, uh, episode four. If you're in the UK and Ireland, you can catch up at channel4.com poker. All four shows are up there. Anywhere else in the world, head to Pokestars.tv to watch episodes one through four. We are on hiatus next week. Uh, when you work with an American, you discover there's this thing called Thanksgiving. So next week, we will be taking an enforced break, and we'll be back the week after that. And we'll have two shows to break down, episodes five and six. And we're going to have Elkie on the show because he features heavily in the next two episodes, even more heavily than he does in this one. I am
0: thankful for the week off from the podcast. And thankful that we'll be talking to Elkie.
1: Yes, uh, we're going to get to this week's guest in just a moment, but let's explain why he is on the show. Joe, when Jennifer Tilly was on a few weeks back, you said, oh, we have to ask her about this short story. And I'm like, what short story? And I had no idea that this book had been published uh, called um, He Played for His Wife and Other Stories, which is a collection of poker-themed short stories. And after you told me about it, I found it. And I've got hold of a copy and I've been reading my way through it. There's people in there who we know, um, a couple of players, but mainly poker writers, uh, people like James McManus, Patrick Marber, and also someone who we know, someone we work with, a gentleman called David Curtis, who is an events manager at PokerStars. David manages many of the live events that Joe and I work at and do live streams from. David wrote the story. He played for his wife which is the headline story of this collection.
0: Oh, wow. That's awesome. And I guess uh, in, in print, he's probably a lot easier
1: to understand. <laughs> His accent is not that thick. <laughs> uh, but I mentioned, obviously, that a couple of players, Jennifer Tilly being one, Barney Boatman being the other, other have uh, contributed stories. And you mentioned last week, Joe, that you did want to get Barney on the show. So we tapped him up. He agreed to come on Poker in the years. So let's welcome him. To the podcast, the living legend himself,
2: Mr. Barney Bowman. Welcome, Barney. Yeah, thanks very much. About time. Yeah, this is the first time, isn't it? Yeah. I I apologize
1: (laughs) for overlooking you for the better part (laughs) of two years. And Joe is particularly thrilled to have you here.
0: I really am, Barney. You are so fucking funny. Uh, (laughs)
2: There are two people... Well, Joe, mate, coming from you, that means absolutely nothing. (laughs) 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 <laughs> no, cheers, mate. No, I, I went and saw saw your stand up in Vegas. That you were great as well. I really enjoyed oh, it. You're
0: right. Thank you. That was a really bizarre atmosphere to do stand up in, but I was I was happy that you were there. Uh, you know, there are like there are two people in poker Twitter who I am routinely jealous. It's you and Jamie Kerstetter. And I, um, I used I one you of your right. lines uh, in some TV commentary I did recently I, with credit, and it was something you had renamed some move or some thing. T- I'm sure you don't remember. Oh what it is.
2: I'm always trying to squeeze things into the into the poker lexicography, if that's the word, yeah. So it could have yeah. been yeah. It could have been one was, of a number of things. Do you have any but, that you're particularly proud of? Um, well it, it it might you might have been talking about set fracking yes that was Let's it see. fracking
0: about when you when you don't have enough chips to set mine set fracking that's the
1: one isn't that fucking brilliant that is brilliant it has to be said but you are generally on fire when it comes to kind of poker terminology barney and your your take on the modern game which has that classic air of the grumpy old englishman wondering well,
2: i to say I've got no idea what's going on in the modern. a modern game. Well, but you I say that. A take on it, yes. You
1: say that wasn't that long ago that uh, you won a World Series of Poker bracelet,
2: was it? No. Well, you know, any mug can win one if you hang about long enough. But yeah, no. I, I mean, I, I do think I have some some idea what's going on. Uh, but I do think that yeah, I, I kind of I'd like to stick a pin in some of the kind of overly pompous language that sometimes surrounds, not just poker, but everything, really. People people take themselves seriously, and they've got every right to, but I've got every right to kind of, you know. It used to always be like the American players who were just, who were so pleased with themselves when they won everything, and, and, and it was a European thing to, to kind of deflate success, whereas Americans more tend to um, unconditionally admire it. So I think I, would, I, I always had the European take.
0: When I when I used to date in London and you know they would say what do you do and I would tell them and they'd be like are you any good at it I'd be like yeah I'm one of the best in the world and they'd be like damn you're American
2: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. you've got it that's, that doesn't go that doesn't go down here you have worked it out now I'm sure it,
0: it do, I mean that doesn't even, I don't even consider that to be cocky I'm just like yeah no that's that's just what's going
2: on disarmingly honest if it was true of course which uh, Obviously, right, of course. Not. It's a—it's complete <laughs> bullshit, though.
1: So, Barney, we just mentioned the fact that, obviously, you've contributed to this book edited by uh, Anthony Holden. He played for his wife and other stories, writing along the, alongside people like Grub Smith, Jennifer Tilly, Jim McManus, uh, Patrick Marber, and your story is the first in the book. You're
2: first up. Well, can I just say, by the way, it's edited by Anthony Holden and Natalie Galustian.
1: Yes, sorry to overlook Natalie there, sorry.
2: And, um... Yes, the first. I don't know if that's alphabetical order or what that is, but um, you know, I, I, it's, it's quite nice for me that it's, it's there bang at the beginning because anybody who doesn't bother to read the second one thinks I've <laughs> written the whole book.
1: Um, how did it come about? I mean, was it a project which you approached? Would you like to contribute a story or did you have this story and it got included in this
2: book? No, it was the former. Yeah. It, it, um, Natalie and Anthony had this idea, which I've got to say is, is such a perfect idea. A, a compilation of stories all weaved around the theme of poker, but, but all very different. Um, and you can't believe that, you know, this hasn't been a classic for years because it was crying out to be done. And they, um, uh, they approached a few poker players. I think that they, knew, either that they knew personally, or they had some reason to believe might be able to write. Um, and, um, Jennifer Tilly has written an extraordinarily good that she can certainly write. But actually, as you intimated, uh, the majority of, of, the poker st- of the stories that have been written are by professional writers and very, very uh, accomplished ones too, like DBC Pierre and Caroline Duffy, who is the poker... The, I keep calling her the poker laureate. She's the poet laureate. <laughs> <laughs> she might answer to both now. But, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of great writers. Of course, James McManus is both, you know, writer and poker player. There's actors in there. There's Lucy Porter, who's a stand-up comedian. Neil Pearson, very well-known actor. So it, it's, it's an incredibly um, high... St- you know, to, to be on the, in the same project with all these people is, is really wonderful for me. And uh, you know, I, I'm just lucky that I got involved right at the beginning before they signed all these people up.
0: Did you? Is this a story that you already had in mind, or is it something that you, when they came to you, you just you made it from scratch?
2: I said, "Oh yeah, I've got an idea that would be perfect," and that was a total lie. And with, but, within, <laughs> but within five minutes, I had what you know, I, I I just I just belted it out, you know, before they changed their minds. And, and uh, um, it, it was, it, you know, I I don't know if the idea had already been in my mind, but. It kind of crystallizes some things that I've been thinking about. I suppose you know, it, it's kind of it's a, it's an unusual way of asking a question about people in poker. Um, but yeah, no, no. I, I mean, I, I just I, I would not have written that story had I not been asked to contribute to this book.
0: And is writing stories something that you're interested in general, or this is just an exercise, an experiment for you? I did a couple at school.
2: Um, no, uh, I'm talking about a post crayon phase with, with pictures and everything. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> I, 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 I've always, for a very long time, if not always, you know, I've kind of claimed to be a writer and think of myself as a writer. And and I had, I've been a journalist in the past. I've written a few articles here and there. Um, and I, you know, I've kind of, I've got half a film script that's been knocking about forever, and and. Um, but now, with, with I mean, this has really given me a lot of impetus because, you know, this, this book is great. And, um, you know, like I say, to be in the company of, of all these great writers and, and, and to be there, you know, to be a real thing I can hold in my hand um, gives me a lot of encouragement. And I've got this, I've got this idea that I'm, I'm starting to work on, which is kind of to do... A sort of Damien Runyon. You know, I wouldn't claim that I could write like him, but but to do something like he did um, with London and the poker scene, with kind of different, um, with the same characters popping up in different stories, and um, trying to deal with different aspects of of life and of the poker world in these different short stories. It's, it's a great format. It's, it's it's much easier to get your head around writing a. 20 page or 15 page story than sitting down with a blank piece of paper trying to write a, a novel or a film script. So, um, it's like the tweet of the, uh, of the book world, you know, it's a, you know, it's a, a short right. thing that you've got. To it, so, you know, it, it works for me because I'm lazy. I can't imagine anyone, many people
0: having a better collection of stories than you, right, James? I mean, Barney's just got to be
2: completely
0: full of these things.
2: Full of something, mate. Um, <laughs> but, um, well, of course. I mean, this, we're talking about fiction here. Well, obviously, you know, you draw on a, a, a lot of a lot of the stories in this book. Uh, some of them are very straightforwardly autobiographical, I think. And so, um, well, I'm not they're, no, they're all stories, but some of them, some of them, they've clearly placed themselves in the story. Um, but the, the vast majority, uh, people draw on their knowledge and understanding of poker yeah. to do something very different, and uh, and. um uh, it, in one case in neil pearson's case well i won't say too much about it but he, you know it, it, it's quite oblique in terms of the, the the way he references poker in his story and in some cases it's you know it's very direct you know talking about hands and stuff like that but, but uh everyone is very different some of them um are hilarious but i, I think that some um, grub smith's one is, is is such a great idea and it's it's like you feel like you're watching a little movie when you read it and you can you feel like you can hear his clock ticking on Theft row as the, you know as the time goes down to, towards this guy. What's going to happen to this guy? And um, you know it, he writes beautifully. And, and um, Jennifer Tilly, I already mentioned. You know it's like a movie. You know it, it, it's you know she writes dialogue brilliantly. It, you know it's very fast money very visual, very cinematic. And the scenes in it. You know there, there's actually one. <laughs> there's one visual image which you know I was. I pushed hard to, to be on the cover of the book, but for some reason they didn't go for it. But it was you know kind of a a view, a view from behind of a naked man, I mean, <laughs> which was described very very funnily, um, and um, yeah no but but it's it, this I mean they're, they're great Jim McManus is one is you know you, you know you can just it's like you can spill yourself at the poker table you can really relate to it um, yeah. That, I mean, I don't know. Have you read these stories?
1: I've read a few of them, and I read I I read, I read, you, I read your story earlier on today, actually. I I'm, I'm, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it, it speaks volumes to me of the world in which you kind of started playing poker in, because what I was going to say is there'll be many people who are now into the poker scene, and for them, it's always been the big tournaments on TV. It's been the glitz and glamour of Vegas. It's been these huge international tours. But the reality is, obviously, you started playing when poker wasn't so mainstream, as it were, when these backroom spielers were all where the big games were held, and you kind of saw the game change through TV, through online, the opportunities for players through sponsorship and endorsements, uh, the the
2: boom and beyond. I remember when this was all fields, i tell you. (laughs) (laughs) um, But... yeah, that, that, that's right, and, and, and uh, I'm kind of uh, I'm hooking into something which still exists, by the way. You know, the, the world that I describe. I, I, I wrote that story six years ago, and it was a contemporary story at that time. Um, and um, you know, the the, the the characters and the games that are you know described in that story are, st- are still around. But you're absolutely right. That's what it was. That's what it consisted of. And, uh, the kind of the main character in the story is from a different world from a different time. Yeah, that's true.
1: Back in the day, was your nickname really Barmy or was that just some marketing no, thing that someone came no, up let with? Let
2: me tell you, let me tell you how that came about. It, it wasn't the diagnosis for a start. <laughs> um, Wait, it, what does um, Barmy, what does Barmy mean?
1: It means, it means crazy. Okay.
2: Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. But, but, um, what happened, uh, was this, um, we, when, when the Hender mob first started out uh, and we, uh, and we did the um, we started the the, the Hender mob website it, it was kind of like a fanzine that was the idea and, and you know the I, I was we were all very keen I, I certainly was that we didn't take ourselves seriously we didn't set us set out to say we're the best we, we just we were just kind of like, players stroke fans and we, and wanted to be funny and all the rest of it. And I wrote this little spiel about, um, about the, about the group, you know, describing us like a kind of gang. And it was kind of like a thing where, 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 um, everybody had some different quality about themselves. And, you know, with, with, um, with Joe, it was elegance and with Ross, it was glamour and, you know, all the rest of it. And, 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 um, and with with you know ram had the ram had the looks and and uh and, and I, I, it was a, it was a little description but but that one word kind of like was there was like a one word description and there was a paragraph about each of us but it was all tongue in cheek but then what happened was that vicky coronerate right, wrote this um great piece about us um when we played in the isle of man it, uh, a couple of really good pieces uh, that that really helped the hendon mob um, get out there, and it was it was it was lovely. It was it was about poker, and it was about seeking sponsorship and all that stuff. And it was in it was in 2000 when when the site started and we were kicking off, and we were trying to you know we were trying to get ourselves noticed to, so we could get sponsorship. And she, in this article, she picked up on this thing, and she made them into nicknames, <laughs> and uh, so, so so it was like so Ross became you know Ross became the glamour, Joe became the elegance. Uh, Rand became the uh, the looks me and Rand didn't like the nicknames we you know the the other two didn't mind that theirs. you know uh, and they, uh because and they, they were better nicknames because they were clearly tongue-in-cheek whereas you know calling yourself the humor is just like saying look at me i'm funny you know and, and i'm gonna I hate, have to t- i'm yeah. gonna
0: have to take that off all my coffee mugs
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, look at me. Aren't I funny? <laughs> the humor. All right, but but it, I, I I hated it. But people start. They started using it. It started appearing on late night poker by my name. So you know, I, I, I and I was fighting a losing battle. I was saying, listen, mate, mate, that's not my name. That's not. I'm Barney Boatman. I don't need a nickname. Barney Boatman's a, yeah. You know, and, and I and was like, come on, if that's not your nickname. What is? And I was like, okay, you have got to say something. Say, Barney, Barney. You know. Because that kind of like that's the sort of thing that somebody might have come up with, you know. It's like Mad Marty, whatever. I don't mind that so much. So I came up with that just to get rid of the other one. But but really, I've never, you know I've never had a nickname in the sense, you know, there was never anything that people went around calling me. Other um, than shithead. That I know <laughs> about, yeah. That <laughs> they dared to my face. Uh, so um, no, so so, balmy. I I don't mind that one. But it's, you know, it's not real. You know, you can always tell when people's nicknames are real and, and, and when they've kind of, yeah. uh, you know, one, one of the things that happened when poker kind of made just... mainstream is it's what, it's what I always called the silly hat syndrome, you know, where, where, where all of a sudden, all these very, very sort of serious, quiet, bow down to our players, you know, they, they, they're trying to get the attention of the cameras and the media. And all of a sudden, they you know, they they're, they're, they're 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 singing, wearing their glasses upside down, whatever they're they're they're, they're doing funny things. They so, you know they're they're kind of giving themselves these mad nicknames and, and throwing these fits in front of the cameras. And it's like that's not you, mate. You never used to do that. But uh, but but the thing is, you don't bl- you can't blame. you He's talking about them. me. No, I'm not talking about you. You've always been. I don't know, as far as I know. But no, I'm talking about players really yeah. who were trying to get, trying to draw attention to themselves in order to get sponsorship, which is completely understandable. And and uh, of course, the media was totally com- complicit sometimes with rewarding, you know, not necessarily the best behaviour, but, but the most entertaining behaviour. And, um, or just, you know, I mean, it was, it's all, most of it is absolutely fine. Some of it not, most of it, great, you know, but, 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 uh, but that it was all part of that, all of a sudden, you know, but like I say, you can, you know, you know, when people's nicknames are, are real, when they've always, you know, when they come from the world they're in. Sure. now, of course, everyone's known by their by their screen names, aren't they? Which you is know?
1: sometimes a series of random letters and characters exactly. that don't even actually produce a word. Um,
2: exactly. It's bizarre.
1: During that time, Barney, you mentioned the Hendon Mob website, which obviously you guys built into like the, the ultimate poker destination, it had a forum, uh, obviously all the news stories, and the database of players' results, which then got sold to the GPI, which leads me to the question, does your image, likeness, and voice now belong to Alex Dreyfus? Will he be
2: getting... Royalties off this interview, mate. I'm not even allowed to call myself Barney Boatman anymore. It's, a, it's, a, <laughs> it's, sitting, it's legally Barney Boatman now. He's sitting next to me with an abacus, counting the number of times <laughs> you use my name. <laughs> that You're going to get a bill. Oh. We're, you know, we're obviously very proud of of, 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 of the Hendon you know, Mob. something that that we made that works, and and uh you know, we're very glad that Alex Drapers. Picked it up and and kept it going because it would have been a shame, for, for that to have all gone to waste. And um, yeah, he he bought he bought the the, the Hendon Mob name and and, and he bought uh, and the logo and the trademark and the rest of it, as well as the site and everything that went with it. Uh, but of course, at the same time, we are the Hendon Mob, you know. And um, you know, there's there's no. Point in anybody, you know, trying to say we well, can't call. Each-. I mean, you know, that's that's just who we are. Who we are. Uh, it doesn't hurt Alex that, that people still refer to these four real people as being the original Hendon Mob, because it's just more brand recognition, I guess. Of course,
1: and it's reality. I- you can't you yeah. can't argue with that.
2: Yeah, that's right. I have a quick quick little
0: anecdote, and that's uh, in the early two thousands. Me and my buddies tried to like kind of rip off the Hendon Mob, and we came up with a website for ourselves called the LA Rounders. And our little heads would pop up sort of like similar to some of the things I saw some of the ads with your guys' faces in it. And when I showed it to one of my best friends who wasn't in poker – he goes, oh, so it's a home improvement website, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" And he goes, "Yeah, because all I see is pictures of four tools."
1: Now I have an anecdote, and Barney, I'm sure you remember it well. Uh, back in 2005, you had a short-lived TV show called Barney's Home Games.
2: That's right, and I do remember it. I mean, the, the idea, by the way, of that uh, of that show, it was supposed to it was supposed to be like that. I would travel around the UK, you know, maybe Ireland. And um, and those, you know, meet different communities of people and find out, you know, what kind of home games they had and hang out with them. And it was going to be as much about the people and, you know, aren't the people of, uh, of the British Isles funny and strange and different and all the rest of it. But, you know, they made the first series on a budget and everything had to be within the M25. <laughs> and uh, but but luckily, you know, you lived in within the M25 and you were one of the places we went and I do remember it. One of the things I remember actually was the first time that I ever played um, triple draw. Yes. Uh, you know, Same ju- here. Ju-
1: uh, the irony is, you picked up a lot better, quicker and a lot better than we did because you basically cleaned out the yeah.
2: table. Yeah. Well, I, I think you have got a different definition of irony. I think. I, I, I think that <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was surely only to be expected. Yes, obviously. <laughs> but Yes. No, I do. I do remember that. Yeah.
1: Uh, but it was fun. You were a great host. Thank you. It was it was actually a lot of fun. And at the time, I how was, have I never heard about this till now? This was my journey into TV poker because that is how I got in touch with people at the Poker Channel, and that's how I basically got a tryout as a poker commentator for the PokerStars World Cup of Poker. Is because their crew had been round to my house with Barney Boatman.
2: I'm sorry, World. <laughs> people people are always telling me well, you got me into poker. You like like poker, and i I'm, I'm constantly apologizing, but now I've got something much worse to apologize for. That's right. <laughs> you have to apologize for James Hardigan.
1: I'm intrigued, Joe, what dumb game you're going to force our guest to play.
0: Ma'am, Barney, uh, you did a really good job of uh, telling interesting stories, so you're actually going to miss having to play one of my games. We're running a little long here. <laughs> Lucky you. Barney, thanks a lot for, uh, for taking the time and staying up all night and, you know, safe
2: travels and hope. Uh, <laughs> Hope to be stealing your material in the future. Oh, you're, you're absolutely welcome. And if you ever do anything good, I'll steal that too. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Cheers.
0: Poker
1: in the ears. Our thanks again to Barney Barney Boatman. I can't <laughs> believe, Joe, that I haven't told you the Barney's home game story before. No, that's so wild. I want, I got it. We got to get that tape. Oh, uh, the sad thing is I, I have it on VHS 100% and I'm pretty sure that I did a DVD of it as well, but I cannot find them for love nor money because I wanted to try and play a clip on the podcast. So I need to, I need to track them down because it is hilarious.
0: I mean, we do have a, po- a poker in the ears and eyes coming up that maybe we could do a quick little flashback. Wow! to James' poker bear debut. In mind,
1: so bear in mind, the other people in this home game, there's me, my friends Barry and Ray, and my wife. Now, I'm pretty sure she does not want any footage from this TV show circulating <laughs> in the public domain. <laughs> She's right. the one who's probably destroyed the VHS tape and the DVD. Um, before we get to this week's Superfan Contest, a quick lobby update, some very exciting news. When we come back from our Thanksgiving break... We are going to introduce a weekly podcast free roll. I know we've had free rolls in the past, Joe, but they've been sporadic. They've been irregular. They've been normally to commemorate a special occasion, like our 100th episode. But we've decided that each week, on every episode, we're going to give out details of an exclusive game for our audience, for our fans. Wow. Um, So what we'll do is we'll tell you when the game is taking place, because it's going to vary. We're going to try out different days and times, see what works for people... Uh, We're going to give up the name of the free roll because it's going to have a different name every week and you're going to have to search for it in the PokerStars lobby and it'll probably be themed around something that's happened on the podcast. For example, maybe we call it the Selena Lin Kebab Memorial.
0: Got it. So this is in an effort to make it more unique just for our listeners and maybe try to keep some of the riffraff out.
1: I think the idea is we want to make this game for the fans, not people who are randomly searching for free rolls on PokerStars. And that's why there's also a very good chance that it's not going to appear in the lobby until about 30 minutes until it starts. So make sure you listen out every week for the name, the day, the time, and, of course, the all-important password. So it's going to be a $500 free roll every week, and the first one will take place early next month, I guess, because episode 108... Our next episode will be published on Thursday, the 30th of November. So to give you time to listen and get the details and mark it in your calendar, we'll make sure we schedule that game for the, the first few days of December.
0: I guess it's a great reason to download and listen to the podcast right away too, just in case that free roll is
1: going to be, you know, it's going to be at different times every week. So you want to make sure that you uh, find out about it ASAP. Good point. Well made. So we're all about giving back to our fans here on poker in the Ears, as evidenced by the following competition that we run every week.
2: Superfan
1: versus
2: Stakes.
1: Well, this week, we are diving underwater. We are unlocking the cage and unleashing the chimp as we welcome to Poker in the Ears, the undersea monkey himself, James Martin. Welcome, James. Ook and hello. Hello, uh, Joe's babies.
0: Hello, James. And James, uh, thank you very much for uh, for being who you are. You've been wonderful. You're you're a breath of fresh air occasionally.
3: (laughs) That's very kind of you to say.
0: I mean, anytime you speak, you're very kind and supportive, which I appreciate. Um, So I guess it's not always a breath of fresh air because people are often nice, but sometimes we really need you.
3: That's very kind. Of, I, you know, I know politics isn't really done on poker in the years, but I just want to say, Joe, I, I, it's good to see you know keeping the end up for the good guys, and I try to weigh in when when I can.
0: I appreciate that. Um, and how long have you been a poker fan? Because I feel like either you were in and out in the early days, or you didn't really re- surface ha, 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 as Undersea Monkey until <laughs> I don't know if you feel kind of new. Well, I mean, I've, I've sort of been around
3: for for a, a long time. I sort of started playing just over twenty years ago when I was at university. So it's been a while, okay. uh, so been a while and uh, but then really, know, yeah, I'm a money maker, poker boom guy, and first came across the uh, the EPT back when Vicky uh, when Corrin won her first
1: event in London. Wow, that is going back many. Many years for sure. Um, One thing I will say is you are a very loyal viewer of the live streams these days, although you will publicly declare that you will take a break to watch quiz shows on TV uh, and then use the stream as an accompaniment to various laundry activities. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs>
3: I, d- I i i <laughs> yeah re- regular regular watchers will know that uh yeah i, d- I do like to do my ironing uh, during the saturday <laughs> p- uh part of a, of a live webcast it's very true Um uh, i've put the ironing to one side for today
1: though uh I've, you've got my full attention so what do you do having graduated from university pretty much two decades ago what have you spent the last 20 years doing
3: oh, 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 no, who's my daddy and what does he do basically that is the question <laughs> Uh, well, I work in IT. Uh, I'm a systems administrator for a uh, a, a webinar company. I, I sort of look after all the, um, the, the servers and systems and networks for a company that provides a platform for um, uh, webinar presentations.
0: So you're pretty important to
1: them. Like you kind of could really screw them over if you wanted to. Yeah, if I wanted <laughs> to, I could take the whole thing down. I like it. I love the fact that that's your immediate thought. That's where you go. Not that you're the person who enables these people around the world to communicate and access these webinars or that you're of vital importance to the company. So, yeah, you could take him down with just a flick of a switch. You could do it, man. You could stick it to them.
0: Because everything in my mind is like looked at in terms of a heist. So, you know, he he's one of the guys we're going to need if we're going to pull off the big heist.
1: Now, James, you clearly understand the rules of Supervan versus Stapes. You've chosen a subject that Joe is aware of. It is a TV show from a few years back, The West Wing, which ran for seven seasons. One of the greatest TV dramas ever. I bought it for Joe on iTunes as a Christmas present a few years back. You did make it to the end, right, Joe?
0: I did, but I'm really not looking forward to this quiz because I feel like because you love this show so much and because you bought it for me, the shaming I'm going to get for not knowing
1: I some have, of
0: these answers. I've tried oh. to
1: keep it reasonably random. And again, I've tried to keep it stuff that I could remember in my head. And I haven't watched this show since it was originally on. So it's pretty much 10 years for me. Um, I'm assuming, James, that you're also a fan. Uh, I, I am. I, I, I must have seen
3: the, the whole thing through over 100 times. Wow.
0: I, want to, I just want to say really quick, next to um, Game of Thrones, this show is probably my favourite fantasy ever.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah so, story checks out. <laughs> um, well, let's get the game started. Uh, so we're playing here, James, for the mini chipset and the 55 euro Prague satellite ticket. The first round is called Special Guest Stars, and is themed around Special Guest Stars on the West Wing. <laughs> I've taken the Ron Seal <laughs> approach to branding this quiz. Um, so there are six seasons in play here seasons two through seven as our guest as our super fan james you get to go first pick a season two to seven it's always coming seven it is always coming seven now if you can do it without the multiple choice options two points if you need the choices one point in season seven who guest stars as franklin hollis the billionaire who wants cj to chair his charitable foundation
3: Oh, now I can see his face. Ah, uh, ah, uh, I'm. Do you want? It's. it's I'm sorry. I can I'm see gonna...
0: his face. Was not in season seven. That was in
1: season five. <laughs> I'm going to need the multiple choice, which is really embarrassing. Okay, four options here. Was it Dennis Haysbert, Xander Berkeley, Eric Balfour, or James Morrison? It's Xander Berkeley. It is four points, and of course, the connection there is that all four actors were in Twenty Four. There is a bonus question: What was the name of Xander's character in Twenty Four?
3: Oh gosh, I'm going to have to pass.
1: (laughs) Joe, do you know?
0: In twenty, I will know it the second you say it. But he was the CTU department head. I, I don't
1: don't know it. His name was George Mason. Mason.
0: Man, how, how, spoiler alert, when he goes down on that plane, did you, did you feel something, James?
1: No. Uh, In
3: 24? No, I mean, I sort of, didn't really buy into
1: it hugely, so... I'm with you. <laughs> oh, I'm afraid I I've I lasted a season and a half, I'm afraid. I discovered the other day there's like literally hundreds of episodes. Unbelievable. Um, anyway, this is about the West Wing. The bonus questions, however, may relate to other stuff, as you've probably guessed. Joe, Season 2, Season 3, Season 4, Season 5, or Season 6?
0: Uh, I will go with uh, Season 2, please.
1: Season 2. Who plays Simon Donovan? the Secret Service agent assigned to protect CJ? I will take the choices, please. Okay, was it Mark Harmon, David Caruso, Gary Sinise or Chris O'Donnell? Mark Harmon. It was Mark Harmon for a point and your bonus question. Mark Harmon is the star of which inexplicably popular crime series? NCIS. Correct, which means you have a 2-1 lead, and I do realise that I actually gave you the Season 3 question, but you seem to do okay out of it, so uh, no harm (laughs) done. Uh, Which means 2, 4, 5, and 6 are available to you, James. I shall go number 2, please. Okay, this is genuinely Season 2. Who plays Dr. Stanley Keyworth, the psychiatrist who diagnoses that Josh is suffering from PTSD? Oh, uh... Famous Father as well. Father was in Gross Point Blank. I'm going to need the choices. Was it Alan Arkin, Adam Arkin, Adam Baldwin? Adam Arkin. It is Adam Arkin for a point. And there is a bonus question. Adam Arkin is also a director and directed numerous episodes of which TV drama about a US marshal in Eastern Kentucky?
3: Oh, Walker, Texas
1: Ranger? No, because no.
3: that's Texas.
1: No, pass. <laughs> Joe, you can steal for a point. That one's justified. It is. Joe, you have uh-huh. a 3-2 lead and it's your question. Uh, 4, 5 or 6? I just like to go...
0: I know that Alex, Jacob and Jeopardy would not agree with this, but I'm just going to go in order and take
1: Season 4. Okay, in Season 4, who plays Kathy, the farm girl who drives Josh and Toby across Indiana when they get left behind by the presidential motorcade?
0: farm girl this is where they have the
1: the time zone issue but I'll need the choices please was it Kristen Bell Kristen Wiig Jennifer Lawrence or Amy Adams well I really don't know this one uh Amy Adams it was Amy Adams good guess and your bonus question which historical figure did Amy Adams play in night at the museum two? Amelia Earhart she did Wow, you're on fire today, Joe, and you leave... I
0: actually have have an autographed, signed poster of Night of the Museum too that I won at an auction because my friend was running it and literally no one had been on it, and I (laughs) felt bad.
1: (laughs) Uh, James, we need to get some points here. Season 5 or Season 6?
0: I shall take Season
1: 5, please. Season 5. Who plays Colin Ayres, the photographer Donna has a fling with while on a fact-finding trip to the Middle East? I'm going to play safe and take the choices. Please. Okay, is it Colin Farrell, Ewan Bremner, Jason Isaacs, or Ewan Griffith? Uh, I think it's Colin Farrell. It is not. It is Jason <sighs> Isaacs. Now there oh. is a bonus question here. Jason Isaacs played which villainous character in the Harry Potter films?
3: I uh, oh I I I, uh, I have never seen any of the Harry Potter films. You should. Uh, so I'm told Uh, but there's one villain who I've heard of from from Harry Potter and that is uh, Voldemort
0: no that's Ray Fiennes he plays Joe he plays evil Harry Potter which is Harry Potter with a goatee
1: no he plays Lucius Malfoy Draco's dad Uh, season 6 this will be your question Joe who plays Helen Santos wife of presidential candidate Matt Santos Oh, man. Uh, Go on. Okay, here are the options. Terry Polo, Terry Gar, Terry Hatcher, Terry Reeves. Terry Reeves. Incorrect. It was Terry Polo. Let's see if you can get the bonus question. Terry Polo is best known for playing Robert De Niro's daughter in which comedy? Raging Bull. No. You can steal, James, for a point. Is it Meet the Family? It's Meet the Parents. I'm going to give you half a point. Uh, Which means at the end of that round, Joe, you have five points. James, you have two and a half points. Joe, you have a two to one lead going into the trivia round. James, there are four questions. You can pick season two, season four, season five or season seven. Uh, I'll take season two, please. Season two. I'm just gonna
0: <laughs> fold my way to the money with this two and a half point lead, I think.
1: <laughs> This is my favourite question. Which Bond movie was Charlie planning to buy on DVD with his expected tax rebate? Uh, Multiple choice options available. I... Oh, now. Oh. I, I love know how I James will
3: just get-
0: called this out as his favourite question and also he wrote the questions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's Bond-themed. Of course it's my favourite question.
0: I, I know I will get it if
3: I get the multiple choice, but I, 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 you know, I feel I almost feel like really gambling and saying, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. In
1: which case, I will give you two points. Good gamble. Well yes, taken. Yes, get it. Yeah. OK, Joe, season four, season five, or season seven? I will always be coming season seven. Arnold Vinnick is offered which cabinet post by President-elect Matt Santos? Uh, Secretary of State Correct for two points Oh Joe's building up a bit of a lead here Let's see how you get on with your next question James Uh, Seasons 4 and 5 available Uh, Four please Season 4 Which character resigns from his post In the episode Life on Mars I'm going to say it's Sam Sam It is not Sam. Oh. Because we have not had the options, Joe, you can steal. Um. Um.
0: Oh. Mrs. Mrs. Ezringhausen.
1: No, she dies in a car crash. Uh, It was Vice President John Hoynes. Oh, of course. Oh, yes. Okay, Joe, season excellent, five. Excellent performance from Matthew Perry in that episode, incidentally. Indeed. Uh, season five, Joe. Which popular West Wing character is killed in Gaza when the convoy of US diplomats is attacked? Uh...
0: Oh, is the janitor Scruffy.
1: It was not the janitor Scruffy. Now, James, can you get this question... Admiral, Admiral Percy Fitzwallace. It was for two points. So here's the deal. I gave you half a point for a question, so it's actually seven points to Joe, six and a half to James. If if you can win the tiebreaker, out of the kindness of my heart, which often doesn't actually have much kindness, I'm going to give you the prizes. So we'll what That's pra- decent. We'll operate the same as last week. So Joe, your type a number into the Skype chat. And remember, please do it privately to me and not to the group. And you will answer verbally on air, James. Okay. Okay. All right. So the question is, there are 155 episodes of the West wing in how many of those episodes does Joshua Molina appear as Will Bailey, Joe, you type your answer, please. Okay. Joe has given his number. Here's the question for you, James. How many episodes star Joshua Molina? Uh, I'm going to say 75. You say 75. Joe says 22. The actual answer is 79. You were really close, James. And for that reason and that reason alone, we will give you both prizes. You win the mini chipset and you get the 55 euro Prague satellite ticket. Woohoo! Thank you. Thank you very much for coming on the show and being our super fan.
3: It's been an absolute pleasure, guys. Thank you for running the, uh, the webcast and for the
0: podcast. Thank you, buddy. All right, my babies. That is just about all the time we've got for this week's show. James, you did not know about this just yet. I'm going to spring this on you right now. Next week is Thanksgiving break. I think I'm going to go to Japan.
1: Okay. So we are taking a break so that you can spend time with your family only you're not you're going to Japan i wasn't going to spend
0: time with my family i was planning on just resting this week but um you remember my producer friend who the one who made the movie and said the annual radcliffe is a fan of ours like well I oh can go yeah back yeah, to me? yeah she is shooting her, a movie in Japan right now and she's working with like a big hollywood star and she was like you and your best friend should come out to Japan and i was like all right I can't really say no to a trip to Japan to like hang out with actors on set of a movie. So, the tickets aren't booked yet, but I think I'm going to Japan next week. Pretty excited about okay, that. Okay,
1: well maybe there'll be some stories on episode 108.
0: That's right. Also coming up on episode 108, we have got uh, we'll have two TV episodes to discuss, episodes 5 and 6 from Monte Carlo hopefully we will have Elkie on the show who is, it is all about the Elkie. Also, if you have a chance uh, in our downtime, Elkie has been streaming power up on Twitch. Uh, you guys can check that out. Maybe I'll have a chance to check it out. We can talk to him about that. Uh, any questions you have for Elkie, you got time to get him in, use the hashtag poker in the ears. Also, we need super fans. Use that same hashtag. And, uh, Prague is fast approaching so let us know who you think our pre-prog guest should be wow i got i said that pre-prog
1: <laughs> i did it he's so proud like a toddler showing a mother his first stool
0: uh, konnichiwa james i don't know what that means but i'm gonna learn it soon uh, don't forget guys rate review subscribe to the podcast also subscribe would be a great way to make sure that you catch the details on that free roll happening every week uh we appreciate you guys say some nice things about us if you can Once again, remember, no show next week, back in two weeks. Until then, I am Joe Stapleton. He is James Hardigan. Smell you later.